So in 2021, we've been looking at Jesus. The good news of Jesus, first we covered Mark, then we covered Luke, then we covered Matthew, just because I like to get things out of order, but now we're in John. So the last three months of the year, I can't believe 2021 is getting close to being done, but here we are in October, we've got three months left, and the three months we're going to spend in the Gospel of John. Now, John opens up very famously with the incarnate word. In the beginning, John begins, and we talked about this in our Bible class this morning, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And I just want to read verses 1 through 18 together as we get started. Um, This is the prologue of John. This is how he sets up the rest of his book. And I want to read it together before we jump into the lesson. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by Him, and apart from Him not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines on in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. A man came, sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that everyone might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created by him, but the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who have received him, to those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. Children not born by human parents or by human desire or a husband's decision, but by God. Now the Word became flesh and took up His residence among us. We saw His glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. John testified about Him and shouted out, This one was the one about whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than I am, because He existed before me. For we have all received from His fullness one gracious gift after another, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came about through Jesus Christ. And right there we finally find out who he's talking about, if we didn't already know. The Word is Jesus our Lord. No one has ever seen God. The only one, himself God, who is in closest fellowship with the Father, has made God known. That's what Jesus did. He made God known. And John 1.14 is the verse I really want to key in on this morning. It's one of my favorite verses. The Word became flesh and took up residence among us, or He dwelt among us, is how King James, I think, says it. The interesting part about this verse, and why I find it fascinating, I want to to dig into this morning, is that phrase, took up residence. Because it's a strange word. Literally, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. 
Tabernacle is just the word for tent. Uh, we go camping. My family sometimes, we went camping this past summer, and we go tent camping. One, the more we do it, the more I'm thinking, all right, we need to get a pop-up, because the sleeping on the ground in the tents for the birds. Make the kids still sleep out in the tents, but like me and Lisa have chatted about, uh, our days of tent camping might be numbered as we get older. But, uh, but we've always enjoyed it. It's nice just to pitch a tent. And uh, obviously, you don't live in tents at your house. You have a home that's solid and permanent. A tent is meant to be movable. And so this word tabernacle, from the Old Testament, we think about the, the space that Israel built for God. It later became a permanent temple, but while they were wandering in the wilderness, and even when they went into the land of Canaan, it was a tabernacle, it was a tent. Some translations call it the tent of meeting. That's how it's translated. But traditionally, a lot of translations say tabernacle, tabernacle of meeting. Although, again, that word just means tent. As a matter of fact, the Jews have a festival called the Feast of Booths. That's how it's mentioned in the King James. It's the Feast of Tents. It's the Feast of Tabernacles is another way of saying it. Again, you can translate this word several different ways in English, but it basically just meant, means a temporary dwelling, a portable temporary dwelling. Whether we think about RV or tent or whatever, not our permanent home, but our temporary one. And that's what this word, the word became flesh and pitched his tent among us. Now, I don't mean to be frivolous with that, but that's what it means. God, who resides in heaven, His throne in the highest of the high heavens, looking down over all creation, which is His, He is Lord, He is King over it all, He is sovereign. God, from His throne... Got his tent, his sleeping bag, his Coleman lantern, whatever we think of. He said, I'm going to go where they are. And that's an amazing thought. For God to leave God the Son, obviously. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But God the Father sent His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, the very Word, fully God Himself, left his throne in heaven and pitched a tent with us. Now, where do you pitch a tent? You know, we often pitch a tent to get away from people. Uh, we find a campground and we find a nice quiet place. Also knowing that our group of eight people can make some noise too. So we don't want to be too much of a bother for other people wanting some peace and quiet out by the lake or whatever. So we've kind of find a uh, our camping spot, as far out of the way as we can get it. That's you know, part of the idea of camping and relaxing. But God pitched his tent right in the middle of people. Because he wasn't trying to get away. He, he wanted to be with us. He knew we needed his presence. And the only way to get his presence was for his presence to come down. Every religion in the world whether it be one of the big three we talked about in Bible class again this morning. We talked about Islam, Hinduism, Christianity, and there's thousands or millions of other religions as well that have existed over the millennia. 
This world is full of religions, and every religion is about how to get to God. In my opinion, except one. Christianity, as one of my professors pointed out to me, is not a religion. Because Christianity is the story about how God came to us. It's not us getting to God, it's God getting to us. And it is unique because of that. And John chapter 1 verse 14 has this beautiful image of God pitched his tent, put up his tabernacle. The tabernacle was actually God's presence among the Israelites in the Old Testament. And of course here in the New Testament as the Gospel of John opens up, we're told that Jesus is the very presence of God with his people again in human form. Not his heavenly form but an earthly form, a tent, so to speak, to dwell in for a time. And God pitched this tent in the dark. John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, talking about the Word. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. So Jesus pitched, is this, you know, the, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He pitches the tent, but He also shines the light. He's the light of mankind, and the light shines on in the darkness. But the darkness has not, this translation says, mastered it. Some translations said understood it. It's actually a word with kind of a dual meaning. And most people think that John, the author, is kind of playing on both meanings at the same time. The light's not overcome it. And the light's not understood. Uh, the darkness has not overcome it because darkness doesn't overcome light. The exact opposite. In a dark room, you turn on the light, the darkness disappears. The darkness doesn't come back and fight with the light. The light totally pushes it out. And so the darkness cannot overcome it. But also, the darkness, as far as in the case of Jesus, did not understand it, did not comprehend it, did not accept it. Just like if it's in a dark room and I pull out a great big spotlight, your eyes would flinch away. It would be more than you would want to handle. And unfortunately, when God sent His very Son, God Himself came into this world, humanity, the religious leaders of the day especially, turned and didn't want the light that Jesus was shining. They didn't overcome it. The light prevailed even when he died on the cross. The light was never doused, as we see in the Gospel of John. That's whenever Jesus was in his full glory was on the cross. But the darkness resisted it. Later on in verse 10, it reemphasizes this. He was in the world, and the world was created by him. So the world belonged to him, but the world did not recognize him. The one true king who had the most claim to any throne ever in the history of mankind was rejected. That the very one who made them was not recognized for who he was. He came to what was his own, but his own did not receive him. 
the great and horrible and tragic irony of Scripture and the beautiful gift of God coming down to be with us, but in the, when he did, we said, no thanks. We didn't want it. We didn't even appreciate it for the glorious moment that it was. Jesus, as the other gospel writers tell us, being born in a manger in Bethlehem with no room at the end, that famous Christmas story, shows still this irony of the king came and we were too caught up in what was going on to see it. Jesus pitched a tent, so to speak, in the darkness, and his light prevailed. But we didn't want it. Humanity didn't want it. We rejected it. But he also pitched this tent in grace and truth. This is mentioned twice in this little short little prologue of the Gospel of John. John's setting up everything he's going to write later. This is the introductory little comments. In the prologue, before the story really starts to get going, this is setting it up. In verse 14, as we already saw, the Word became flesh and took up residence among us, and we saw His glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth who came from the Father. So John's saying, we saw His glory. Other people missed it. The darkness missed it. Other people missed it who should have recognized it. But John, writing as an apostle, writing as an eyewitness account of everything he's about to tell us, he says, me and the other guys, we saw it. We did see his glory. and We were overwhelmed by it. Because, and the way he explains it is, full of grace and truth. Now, Jesus didn't look like God. We're told he looked like a normal man. Isaiah prophesies that there was nothing even amazing about his features. He wasn't the best looking man of all time, even though he was divine. He was just a man in a regular old tent, so to speak. And so you looked at Jesus and you saw a man You didn't necessarily see the features of God. The thing is, God doesn't have features. God is spirit. No, Jesus has high cheekbones, low cheekbones. Ah, That that, that doesn't matter. Because God is spirit. He's the invisible God. And so how, how do you see God's glory in Jesus? You see the character of God come fully out. And that character is a character full of grace and truth. Everything he did was filled with grace. And everything he spoke or said was filled with truth. Because that's the way God our Father is. That's the way God the Son is. And that's what John and some of the people at least, a few, the apostles, the disciples, that's what they recognized and what they wanted more of and why they followed him. Because they saw the grace and the truth and they realized "Ah, there's something unearthly about that. And they came more and more and more to appreciate the fact that this isn't such some guy. This is God. 
Down in verse 17, we see Jesus compared to the law of Moses. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth, there it is again, grace and truth came about through Jesus Christ. What we really needed. Now we needed the law. God gave the law through Moses to Israelite people. We need to understand the concept of sin, punishment. We need to understand the concept of sacrifice. All those things set the stage for Jesus, but Jesus came bringing something, I'd say, a little bit different, a lot different. <laughs> Jesus brought something inherently unique because he himself was. He wasn't just speaking on behalf of God. He was God. He is God. Full of grace and truth. That's what he brought. That's what he brought about. And then lastly, you see what he declared. That very last verse, verse 18 King James says it this way, No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared Him. Um, um, I don't know. I want to put the King James up here because I like that. In the bosom of the Father, the NET, translation I'm using, says in closest fellowship with the Father. You can't get any closer. As he says later on in the book of John, when they say, show us the Father, watch Jesus' response. You're looking at him. Not his features again, but his character, his nature. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So there couldn't be any closer fellowship. They're one and the same, perfectly connected in will and in uh, motive and in every way. Wanting the same ends. Reconciliation. And so Jesus, by pitching his tent, so to speak, by coming down here to this world, by becoming flesh and dwelling among us, he makes God known. He reveals God to us. Because here's the thing, we need revelation. Not just the book and the Bible, although we need that too. Revelation, the idea that we can, we can only in small snippets grasp God from our perspective. Romans says that we can look at the creation, we can look at the trees, the sky, the ground, and be amazed and realize there's something to this. There's something to this, that there, there, this isn't just normal. That something, it came from somewhere, it came from someone, that all that creation points us to the Creator, but... If we had to find the Creator all on our own, again, other religions, if it was up to us to get there, we would fail miserably. And the history of humanity <laughs> proves that. Failing miserably. We need God to reveal Himself. We need God to be the one that comes to us, pitches His tent, and says, I've come to you. Not because it's easy or better or wonderful, no, but because He wants us. And Jesus made the Father known, perfectly known, because He perfectly embodied the image and the nature of the Father. As He said, I and the Father are one. 
And we're going to get in all this as we go through the book of John. But John chapter 1 and the first 18 verses set it all up for us. And just, it amazes me. If we stop and think about it, again, we're used to this Christian stuff. We do it every Sunday, Wednesday, whatever. You know, we're here often reading our Bibles. Some ways we can normalize it, but it really is amazing that God wanted to make himself known. He desired and even went through sacrificial steps, come down from heaven and his throne, so to speak, and to live among us. Because he knew we needed it and he wanted to give us what we needed. Which is reconciliation. That wonderful passage out of 2 Corinthians 5 that Milt read. One of my favorite verses too. God desired to reconcile us to himself. So he didn't just come and pitch a tent to pitch a tent. So, oh, look at me, this nice bright tent here in the middle. He came to pitch a tent... To come get us. And as Jesus says later on in the Gospel of John. When he's talking about leaving. He said I'm going to go to the Father. But don't be worried. Don't be upset. Because if I go I'm coming back. And when I come back I'm coming to get you. That where you can be where I am. And as I am with the Father. You will be the Father. And we will all be one. Beautiful passage in John 14. I'm coming to get you. To reckon, he came once to reconcile us and he's coming back to reconcile us. And so we offer the invitation. We are ambassadors now of the message of reconciliation. And I can say with the Apostle Paul, be reconciled to God. He came to you. He came to us. Won't you accept him, appreciate him, and make him your Lord and make him your Savior. And if we can help you with that or whatever it might be this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing?